Welcome or welcome back to Oswald Didn't Do It, a JFK research community podcast with the pretense that Oswald didn't do it. Not all of my podcasts are necessarily going to be exactly the same. It's my podcast, and I get to make the rules. Perhaps, 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 there might be an episode now or again where Lee Harvey Oswald or the Katzenbach Memo or anything along those lines are actually less important than touching on a few things that probably ought to be touched upon occasionally. This is going to be one of those episodes where I veer away from Lee Harvey Oswald and veer much more closely toward here's what I'm thinking right about now. So perhaps at the end of this podcast, you might say, my goodness, this was a horrible um, off-topic podcast episode. and da, da, da. But really, it's my podcast. I'm making the rules. Oswald didn't do it. And 90% of the podcast, at least, will probably go a long ways along those lines. This, however, is going to be a bit of a background episode. <coughs> Excuse me. A bit of a background episode where I talk about something that I want to talk about anyway. This episode is Tippett 1 through 9 and ambulances. Tippett 1 through 9 and ambulances. The entire J.D. Tippett assassination is an entire subgenre unto itself. You could spend an entire career just looking into the J.D. Tippett murder and all that comes with it, all that flows from it, and disregard the JFK assassination, but still do some very good work regarding the JFK assassination because since they happened relatively close together as far as space and time, they kind of played together irrespective of whether you want them to or not. The J.D. Tippett murder is one of those where I think sometimes Sometimes people might get their, I'm going to say, biases exposed. Looking into the Tippett murder. I, that might be the case. That might not be. But um, Lee Harvey Oswald has a timeline. Lee Harvey Oswald has a timeline we pretty much grasp that he got to his rooming house at a little tiny bit before one, 
and left his rooming house a little bit after one. Probably comes in at 12.58 and leaves at 1.02 or 1.03. Probably 1.02 because he's at the bus stop or in the bus stop area at 1.03. As far as where Oswald specifically went from there and in which order, we're still kind of guessing. We're still kind of guessing, and people have their biases. One of my concerns for quite a while with the Tippett murder is I didn't necessarily buy into the Tippett murder timeline. Because a lot of people, when talking about Oswald, talk about the Tippett murder timeline as if it discounts Lee Harvey Oswald from doing one thing or another. And it happens on either side. It happens on either side. The uh, people who say, oh, Oswald did it all by himself without any question and there were no known associates. Well, they started with Oswald did this in the Texas School Book Depository. Then he did this on 10th and Patton. So now let's work our timeline around those things which we are taking as actual fact. Some people, Oswald did not kill Tippett. Anything that they can find that, hey, see this? Oswald wasn't there. He couldn't have been there. He didn't do it. Let's emphasize that. I kind of think Oswald was already in the theater by, ooh, I don't know, what time you want to put it? 110? 115, maybe the latest? And if he is in the theater at 115, that makes it really difficult for J.B. Tippett to get killed by Oswald at 110, 112, 114, 116, whenever it was. And I never quite bought into a Lee Harvey, uh, into a J.B. Tippett murder timeline because there were so many people who it seemed like regardless which side, I want to fudge it Two minutes this way, or two minutes that way, so it's obvious or impossible for what the other people are saying to be accurate. And again, it's not everyone, but there are enough people who, I'm going to try to push it this way. I'm going to try to drag the timeline that way. And in my research, I ran into an article that played right into my favor. Full stop. Deep breath. Transition. Are you familiar with a 1 to 9 scale? A 1 to 9 scale. 1 means it didn't happen. 9 means it most 
definitely did happen. A five, I got no idea. You get the twos and the threes. Those are the Looney Tune Batbird ideas. The six, seven, and eight. The seven and eight are, well, probably, but I'm not going to bet my spleen on it. And it varies. So with the JFK assassination, with the Tippett timeline, with anything about the Kennedy assassination, if you can pop a number on something, if you can pop a number on something, if nothing else in the entire universe you're being honest, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about the JFK assassination. And I want you to put a number on the likelihood of this being an accurate statement. Is this an accurate statement? One being, in no way, shape, or form, is that accurate? Nine is, why, most definitely, that is correct. <laughs> and then if you have a situation where, well, I kind of think that might be the case. I'm rather confident of it. Then you get anywhere from eight all the way down to two, which is, I guess it could happen. I can't completely rule it out, but it seems rather silly. Okay, so let's start with a very easy one. In the presidential motorcade, were Jackie and JFK in the back seat before the murder? One is, of course not, that's absolutely stupidly absurd. Nine is, why of course? I'm guessing most of you are probably saying, of course, why are you even asking something that stupid? Because I want to set the ground rules for what a nine is. A nine is JFK and Jackie were in the back seat during the motorcade before the murder. That's what a nine is. A nine is, yes, I am completely confident. There is no question. That is absolutely, completely, exactly what happened. Now, Second question to play with regarding one to nine. The bubble top was on the presidential limousine during the entire trip from the airport. Oh, yeah, I heard you. You're yelling one. You're not even letting me finish. One, one, one. That didn't happen. We know it didn't happen. Yeah, videotape all over. Didn't happen. You're right. That would be a one. If there is a thing that is, no, that absolutely, totally, completely, positively, absolutely did not, then it's a one. Okay, let's do something a little tiny bit more in the middle. There were shooters from at least two locations. There were shooters from at least two locations. Some of you might toss a nine on that. Some of you might toss an eight on that. Some of you might toss a one on that. See how that works? Very simply laid out. More than one location for shooters. 
Some will say, no, that absolutely could not have happened. Some people will say, well, I'm pretty sure. And some will say, well, science tells me they probably had shots coming from at least four or five different places. So yeah, I, I'm pretty safe in saying that at least one, uh, uh, at least two directions for shooters. Um, how about Lee Harvey Oswald was noticed in the second floor lunchroom at about 12.32 by officers Baker, by Officer Baker and Roy Truly from the Texas School Book Depository. What would you put on that? Is that a nine? Is that an eight? Are you going to be highly suspicious, which would be fine, and put a six on that? You see how if we start putting numbers on stuff, we start holding ourselves accountable for how confident are we that this actually happened. Okay, now let's go for one that I don't know what number you would put on it. At some point between April of 1963 and let's say February of 1964, Lyndon Baines Johnson had some information on what actually happened in reality on the day of the assassination that we don't know about. Yeah, that's kind of tough. That's a really tough one. It's a really tough one for me. Uh, yeah, I, I, there was FBI stuff. There was CIA stuff. There was discussions with... Um, <clears throat> people he would have been talking with. <coughs> Chief Justice Warren. Um, people all about. You could you could put a two or a three on that. You could put a five or a six on that. I, I wouldn't argue it too heavily either way. I'm still learning on this. But it's important sometimes to put specific numbers on specific things so you can say, hey, this I have at a six. This I have at a seven. And then as we do more research, this thing that used to be at a seven might fall to a two. Or this thing that used to be a three all of a sudden might jump up to an eight because information we run into between now and then alters our perceptions. I became a JFK Junkie, there you go, largely on listening to David Lifton. Okay, so sue me. David Lifton, in his book, Best Evidence, there's some stuff in there that is probably seven or eight, 
and there is prob there is a decent chunk of stuff in there that is probably two or three. There's a lot of books like that. And one of the angles that is both fascinating, but yet if you lead with it when you're talking to the wrong person, ah, you're just a nut bar. You are just, you're looking for shadows when there aren't any, etc., etc., etc. And ambulances, um, ambulances, body switches. Where was there a body switch? Could there have been a body switch here or there? And did the body switch... Hey. Right now, I'm at the body switch probably in the two or three range. I don't think it was possible. I don't think it was possible. I don't think it was essential. I don't think that's where the effort should be being placed. But could it have possibly happened, especially before I read a an article tonight? Possibly. But I read an article tonight that helped me with my J.D. Tippett timeline. Timeline. Timelines are rather important when it comes to anything where you're trying to sort out. When was what being done to whom and by whom? When you have an accurate timeline going on, or a relatively accurate timeline going on, makes it rather easy or easier to, oh, okay, somebody is saying that this certain specific person was here on this specific day. Well, okay, I'm going to look at this timeline over here that is completely independent of what that person is talking about, to see where do they say they were timelines timelines are fun I, I had a timeline idea back in the day myself back before um wow which was the timeline program that my, my idea for timeline program was you plug in a day into your timeline a day a location a time in that day you say, on this day, at this time, this specific thing happened. Then you plug in another pin. On this day, something. Got married. Had my first child. Got my first job. Went to my first Bears game. Went to whatever it is that you're doing. Whatever it is that you're considering. The, the timeline becomes somewhat important. And it doesn't have to be necessarily things that you did. For instance, let's say there is a musician that you consider very important. Jimi Hendrix, Johannes Brahms, Kurt Cobain, whoever it is, whatever. Whatever the reason. On which day did this rock group release this specific single? You put in a pin. Then you put in another pin. Then you put in another pin. Before long, you have like 600 pins. You have 600 pins in your thing. And all of a sudden, you plug in this one pin. And you realize, whoa! On the same day, 
I was doing this specific thing, this person was born. Bam! You have a timeline. You, whether you deserve it or not, or have earned it or not, have a link with another person. You were doing a specific thing when somebody else was doing a specific thing. Maybe you were at the same concert. Timeline, timeline, timeline. I've had trouble with the J.D. Tippett timeline because so often whenever anyone talks about the J.D. Tippett timeline, they bring their own excess baggage to the J.D. Tippett timeline. I want to swoosh this. I want to move this and a minute or two earlier. I want to move this a minute or two later because really there isn't I'm going to try that again. There aren't a whole lot of people that can look at the J.D. Tippett timeline from a purely analytical, purely clinical, purely let's state the real facts and leave the other crap for someone else to not even bother with because it's silly. So as I was looking through the Dealey Echo episode from, actually, I'm not even seeing which date this was, but uh, the article is by, switches to the other screen on my, uh, Bill Dremas, D-R-E-M-A-S, Tippett after the murder, which was actually quite similar to an article in a different periodical, J.D. Tippett Timeline, Car 10, Where Are You? Um, August of 1997, and uh, where, 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 where? Somewhere on the internet. I was seeing it. But uh, Bill Dremus. After the, uh, Tippett after the murder or Bill Dremus, car 10, where are you? Bill Dremus, D-R-E-M-A-S. And this, you never know what you're getting when you walk into an article. I, the way it was prefaced, I was expecting it to be a um, <laughs> war and peace length treatise. It was far from that. It was far from that. And Drema starts off with two questions that people often ask him when they discover he researches the Tippett murder. And there are two questions that he most often gets. Why are there no photographs of Tippett's body? Who are, or why are there no photographs of the chalk outline of the body at the scene of the murder? Seems very straightforward, yes. Um, sounds potentially conspiratorial, yes. Really, it's not. Really, it's not. Andramus walks through the Tippett timeline, leaving out everything else in the known galaxy and does a fantastic job of it. 
There are a number of radio convos, uh, whether you believe it was Domingo Benavides or whether it, if you believe it was T.F. Bowley or Bowley, over the police radio at 116, there's been a shooting out here. There's been a shooting out here at 116. Now, the thing is, walking into this article, I was very, okay, why am I going to believe this 116? Because I've heard 112, I've heard 111, I've heard 108, I've heard 120, I've heard, you know, you hear a whole bunch of different numbers. What I want to know is when did it flipping happen? If I know when it flipping happened and I have enough belief that, yeah, that's when it actually happened, you know what? I can put an 8 or a 9 on it. And if I can put a 9 on when some specific thing in regards to the JFK assassination or the J.D. Tippett assassination, the J.D. Tippett murder, if I can put an 8 or a 9 on something, then to an extent... I can take a deep breath because I've learned something. I can take a deep breath because I've learned something. And when I read people's timelines on Tippett, there is, well, there was the thing, and that, well, there's this other person who, well, there's this other person that, well, they said they were watching, and they heard it was 114, and then there was a noise, and then, and there's just so, so, so much confusion in regards to when was J.D. Tippett shot. The T.F. Bowley slash Domingo Benavides, it was Bowley, not Benavides, at 116, um, well, it is one that, when I read that, it's like, okay, I see it, I get it, I understand it, but... Should I believe it? And if I should believe it, why should I believe it? Because you know how stuff like this goes. It would really be nice to have something that was corroborating, a corroborating response, possibly a corroborating response with an action that led to something that we can actually buy into. While Bowley was giving the police dispatcher the location of the shooting. Now remember, this is in Oak Cliff. This is at 10th and Patton. Nowhere near the police station. Nowhere near the, uh, nowhere near Parkland Hospital. Nowhere near Dealey Plaza. There really weren't many policemen over in the area of Oak Cliff, except for, of course, the one who just got shot by persons unknown. So we have policemen shot and person hollering into police radio, uh, into the police radio, officer shot 116. Seems reasonable, right? Seems reasonable. But I don't know that I want to put a 7 or an 8 or certainly not a 9 
on well it's kind of reasonable but may, but that's the entire thing with the one through nine while Boley was giving the police dispatcher the location of the shooting mrs frank wright was also acting quickly mrs wright and her husband lived at 501 east 10th street about half a block from the shooting. Although Mrs. Wright had never, uh, although Mrs. Wright never testified before the Warren Commission, she was interviewed by George and Patricia Nash for their article in The New Leader in 1964, October 12th thereof. She stated, I heard three shots from my window I got a clear view of a man lying there on the street. I didn't wait a minute. I ran to the telephone. I didn't look in the book or anything. I ran to the telephone. I picked it up, dialed zero. I said, call the police. A man's been shot. After that, I went outside to join my husband. It wasn't but a minute until the ambulance got there. Okay. That seems rather direct, rather succinct. And the it wasn't but a minute until the ambulance got there seems rather compelling. The call went to the police and the ambulance. The ambulance, the, um, let me see where, where we were. Uh, the ambulance substation, we got a name for that. Dudley Hughes, Dudley Hughes Funeral Home is about a block and a half or two away from the Tippett murder scene. So dude's sitting around, do dee do dee do dee do what am I going to do? I guess I'll sit around, watch TV, and learn about this president getting shot. Oh, the phone rings, and get an ambulance over here now. Someone has been shot. So, they activate one of the ambulances, and a minute later, the ambulance is at the scene, per the people who were involved in driving the ambulance. So, 116 seems like a reasonable time assessment, since... The ambulance left the funeral home at 118 and arrived at the crime scene at 118. To me, that seems like a reasonable time frame. Now, as to why there were no photographs of the murder, there were no chalk outlines, there was no nothing, the ambulance beat the police to the scene by about five minutes.
So the people who were in the ambulance, let's toss this guy in the back. Let's get him to Methodist Hospital, which was quite close by, much closer than Parkland. They took him to Methodist Hospital. And we're going to keep going with the timeline. 116 seems reasonable for when the shots took place. 118 sounds like a reasonable time for the ambulance receives the call. And 118 sounds like a very reasonable time for body picked up at the scene. You can toss an eight. You can toss a nine on either of those. I really don't know how you're going to go a whole lot lower than eight or nine as your timeline for the J.D. Tippett shooting. It took them four minutes to get Tippett to Methodist Hospital. He was declared dead on arrival at 122. Now you're building up a timeline of J.D. Tippett stuff. Tippett announced dead, dead on arrival at Methodist Hospital at 1.22 p.m. Then it was decided he was going to be switched over to Parkland for his autopsy. Autopsy at Parkland as opposed to autopsy at Methodist. They didn't slash couldn't slash weren't about to do that immediately. There was going to be a time lag. And I think Tippett made it to Parkland at about, I don't know. 10 minutes to 2? Not totally sold on that number, but it's, yeah, it's close enough. I'd probably go 6 or 7 on... Uh, I've stopped looking at the article. You should look it up. You should read it. You should check into it if the J.D. Tippett timeline is even remotely interesting to you. So, let's get back to David Lifton and ambulance chases, and body switches. Body switches between Kennedy and J.D. Tippett. If J.D. Tippett is not arriving at Methodist Hospital until 122, and I'm good with putting either an 8 or a 9 on J.D. Tippett reaching Methodist Hospital at 122, Completely good with that. And I'm also very good with, it took a while for him to, uh, him to get taken over to Parkland. And I'm also very good with, there was very tight security and it was very difficult for the ambulance from Methodist to Parkland actually getting through and moving all the stuff that had to get moved. Kennedy's body was out of the ER in Parkland 
145? Totally gone? Bye? See you later? Not coming back ever? Probably 145, something like that. Somewhere around there. Tippett didn't make it there to Parkland until 10 to 2. If you're talking, there was a body switch at Parkland. One of two things completely had to happen. Someone knew in advance and was totally cheating the system. Or it didn't happen. <laughs> it's basically that. Could there have been a body switch somewhere else? Maybe. Could they have done it on the plane? I doubt it. Ran into an article on that somewhere back a while ago. There absolutely was no realistic way for there to be a body switch on that plane. As we move along through this case, some things that used to be important cease to be important. Some things that were a cinch are no longer a cinch. Some things that were really up for dispute, really not so much up for dispute anymore. And that's fine. And it could end up being that, I don't know, what, three, four, five, seven, twelve years down the line, something that we completely buy into now doesn't end up being accurate. Something drops from a seven to a two. Could happen. As of right now, though, I'm completely good, completely good with putting a nine, putting a nine on the time that J.D. Tippett's body was picked up in the ambulance. I'm good with putting a nine on 118 was also the time J.D. Tippett's soon-to-be ambulance left the ambulance bay before it came to pick him up. And I'm good, at least a seven or an eight, with the telephone call about J.D. Tippett being shot taking place at 116. Now, someone might say, but what about this person? What about that person? What about the other person? They said that it didn't happen. They said it happened at, well, to me, the logic of the timeline 116 phone call, 118 ambulance leaves, 118 ambulance arrives, 122 Tippett arrives at Methodist Hospital, dead on arrival. That seems believable. That seems completely plausible. I'm totally good with that, and I don't think it blows up anything. If it does blow up anything, then probably whatever needed to get blown up got blown up. If Lee Harvey Oswald was meandering around the J.D. Tippett shooting scene, around 115, 116, 117, 118, there are some people who say that might have happened. That would be somewhat compelling evidence for moving him 
up from one or two on the likelihood of shooting J.D. Tippett to seven or eight or nine. I'm not buying that, which is why I still feel completely confident running with this episode. The heck, if I find out something that is totally, completely wrong, then I should still run with the episode because if I find more information and the more information adjusts what I'm thinking, then I should change my opinion. I'm happy that now I have a bit of a timeline, a bit of a better timeline on the J.D. Tippett killing. I'm completely good with saying Tippett probably died at 116 when he was killed by gunmen or gunmen's unknown. And he was probably picked up by an ambulance at 118, which left its ambulance bay at a funeral home at 118, and he got to Methodist Hospital at 122. Now, if you wish to object to my timeline, hey, that's cool as well. Maybe you have an have some information, have an article, have a whatever, 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 and have different information than I do. I'm trying to learn this stuff on the fly. I have some information, and heck, some of it might even be accurate. But I'm trying to read articles from learned people who have done the research, and I'm trying to adjust what I'm learning on the fly to get better at explaining to people why not only I think it was absolutely horrible that there was a coup d'etat that killed the president in November of 1963, but also that Oswald didn't do it. Have a great day.